Welcome to the Young Indie Chroniclers, a podcast about the making of the show, The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which first aired on ABC in 1992. I kept thinking about what was Indiana Jones like as a young man. I came up with this idea of him seeing the world through the eyes of a soldier and a secret agent. Over the course of our podcast, we're going to talk to a whole host of very talented people who either worked on this show or were there from the beginning. We were able to shoot it on location in the real places where these events took place. Oh, make it up as you go. Oh boy, that's great advice. We hired some of the best European directors, a whole host of very, very talented people. I'm your host, Peter Holmstrom. And I'm Daniel Noah. And this is the Young Indie Chroniclers. There's only one rule in Indiana. Stay alive. Welcome back to the Young Indie Chroniclers, a podcast devoted specifically to the Young Indiana Jones television series and franchise. I'm your host, Peter Holmstrom, and joining me, as always, on this adventure of a lifetime is Mr. Daniel Noah. Hello, Peter. George Lucas and Charlie Lippincott truly pioneered the use of fan clubs for motion pictures. Harkening back to their own childhoods in the 1950s, of fan clubs directed at kids devoted to specific stars or characters, such as Roy Rogers or The Lone Ranger, the marketing department at Lucasfilm created, in 1977, a fan club devoted specifically to the film Star Wars. This fan club allowed fans to feel a part of the experience through behind-the-scenes insights, gifts, and other perks. It was a smash success not just with children, but also with adults and everyone in between. By the 1990s, this fan club had morphed into the Lucasfilm fan club, offering fans an inside look through a magazine and other perks into the various projects Lucasfilm was making in the late 80s and early 90s, the Young Indiana Jones TV series being one of these projects. On today's show, we're thrilled to have as a guest Mr. Dan Madsen. Dan revitalized the Lucasfilm fan club after a brief hiatus in the 1980s and later founded Star Wars Insider magazine as well as running numerous other fan clubs throughout his career, including the Star Trek fan club and the Lord of the Rings fan club. His work on the Young Indiana Jones franchise involved extensive interviews with the cast and crew, as well as writing the behind-the-scenes book for the series, which came out from Lucasfilm in 1992. Dan Madsen, thank you so much for being on our show. Hey, thank you, Peter. I'm happy to be here. You know, I've, I've spoken to you a few times on other podcasts, and it's always just such a pleasure to talk to you. But uh, for, for those new listeners out there, who are maybe hearing you for the first time. Um, I wonder if you could give a bit of a rundown about, about your own history. Your whole career has just been steeped in, in geekdom, which is so cool. Yeah, I've been well, I've been a geek all my life, I guess you might say. But um, yeah, well, you know, um, it, it, if, I, if I did the, the short version of, uh, of, of who I am in my life, I mean, it all started with Star Trek. And uh, in 79, I saw Star Trek, the motion picture, and I loved it and started a fan club. And for that movie specifically... Travel forward with us 300 years into the future to confront the greatest mystery ever to threaten mankind. This is the return of Captain Kirk. An alien object of unbelievable destructive power is less than three days away from this planet. I'm sorry. That you left Delta IV? Or that you didn't even say goodbye? The epic journey of the Starship Enterprise. The human adventure is just beginning. Star Trek, the motion picture. A Gene Roddenberry production, a Robert Wise film. I got a job in a print shop, made my newsletter look more professional. And uh, at around 1981, uh, Paramount Studios got a hold of it and said, hey, you know, you're not doing, you're, you don't have a license to do this. And I said, I know I'm 
I'm just a kid enjoying doing this, you know, out of my mom and dad's basement. And so they said, well, you know, why don't you fly out here? Let's talk to you about this and see about maybe doing an official Star Trek band club, which they had never done one up to that point. Um, and Gene Roddenberry, I should add, was also a big uh, admirer of the work I was doing. And he and I had communicated many times. So when I flew out to Paramount, um, Gene came over to the office and he said, this is the guy, let's have him do this. So I started with the official Star Trek fan club, and it was in about 1986 that I got a call from Lucasfilm, the head of licensing, and they said, you know, we, we closed our fan club down because at that at right now, you know, there doesn't appear to be any new Star Wars movies coming at the moment. But they said, we saw what you were doing with Star Trek, and we'd like to have you maybe think about doing something with Star Wars. CBS Fox Video is proud to present a preview of the complete Star Wars trilogy. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. An adventure unlike anything on your planet. They're coming in too fast! An epic of heroes and villains. The story of a boy, a girl, and a galaxy. Long story short, got a, a license and a contract, and um, we we discussed not relaunching it as the Star Wars fan club again because, as I said, at that time, no one knew when George would ever get back to doing Star Wars. George Lucas, creator of the Star Wars movies, which are some of the biggest grossing films of all time, just announced that the remaining storylines are in the works. Well, there are nine floating around there somewhere. And I'll guarantee that no. three are pretty much uh, organized in my head. The other three are kind of out there somewhere. So the projects that were on um, their plate at that point was uh, Willow. Heroes come in all sizes. But adventure doesn't come any bigger than this. Willow. Whoa! Coming in May to a theater near you. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I can't forget how wonderful it was. Thank you. It was rather wonderful. And this thing called the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, a TV series that they were planning on doing. And so uh, I, I launched the fan club with um, with those projects. Um, you know, we, we always had something Star Wars in every issue because I knew any fan of Lucasfilm was a massive fan of Star Wars. But um, we started with Willow, being that that was the first film on their on their list to, to cover, and uh, went over to England and spent, I don't know, a week and a half on the set of that and interviewed everybody. And then after that kind of ran its course, then The Last Crusade was on the next uh, the next step up. And uh, I... I did the same thing. I flew to London and spent two weeks on the set of The Last Crusade and interviewed Harrison Ford, Spielberg, all of them on that project. And we did a lot of issues where we were covering that. And then it was, you know, the Young Indie Chronicles. He was the creation of filmmaker George Lucas. The idea of having the young Indiana Jones go on these adventures, uh, meeting historical figures, coming of age at the turn of the century fascinated me. I did a lot of coverage on, on the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and it was around that time that I got a call 
from uh, the head of publishing at Lucasfilm. They said, hey, you know, you've already been doing a lot of coverage of Young Indy in the Lucasfilm Fan Club magazine. Um, you know, we're looking for somebody to write the behind-the-scenes book on it. I will take the book now. What, what book? Honestly, it was, it was, it was, I was asked to write a book um, for young readers more than anyone because they really wanted to appeal to young readers. Use it as a journal or diary. Write down anything that interests or strikes you. Thank you, Father. So I said, sure. So I spent my days working on the fan clubs, Star Trek and Lucasfilm. And I'd go home for dinner and come home at night and back to the office. And I'd work till midnight one writing the Young Indy Chronicles book. And um, they had wanted to have me fly over to uh, Africa. Uh, they were going to be doing the um, filming over there. And they thought that would be a good place for me to kind of get a feel for what they were doing. It was the uh, Teddy Roosevelt episode. Yeah. And they also were looking at Prague, maybe me going to Prague to do that. Um, and at this point, I had so much going on my plate, and I had just had a newborn baby that uh, I had to help my wife take care of my little boy. Um, so they said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll set you up with uh, interviews over the phone with everybody. You can ask the questions um, and and we'll do interviews. And then they sent me all kind. I, I must have four hours of footage. They sent me of uh, just being on the set in Africa and in Prague. That's awesome. And I got to sit there and I still have those VCRs uh, tapes somewhere um, of um, just kind of behind the scenes, just watching them film Young Indy, uh, both in Africa and Prague. And uh, that that was what I did. Instead of actually going there, I was able to kind of get a feel for what it was like to be on the sets at that time. So you're telling us that there's a documentary that could be made with all these tapes. This, I am <laughs> telling you what, this is footage that nobody has ever seen. I'm telling you. I mean, it was shot specifically for me. Wow. Um, just for me to write the book um, so I could have a feel for being on the set when I couldn't actually be there. So, um, yeah, it, um, it's, uh, I don't, I don't, I know I've never seen it anywhere else because it's all, you know, raw footage of just being on the set. Well, if, if you need someone to help you digitize those things, I'm happy to. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I might do that someday. That's not a bad idea. I mean, if nobody's ever seen it, you know, part of the reason we're even just doing this podcast is like, it feels like the show hasn't gotten the attention it deserves, uh, especially mm. with the more recent years, most recent ge uh, generation. And uh, for you going back, though, like when you first just even just heard the concept, right? I mean, you were a fan of the films. You, you love those things. You, yeah. You'd written about Last Crusade. You'd probably, you know, you'd probably written a bit about uh, the River Phoenix prologue in, in The Last Crusade. Yep. But then to hear the like, oh, and the franchise is now moving into television. Like, what was your initial thought just as a fan? And to add to that, when did you hear this? Yeah, because you were covering Last Crusade. When I was, I, I had heard about it. Oh, probably a year or so before they actually started shooting. Um, I got word that they were going to be doing uh, a television series based around a young Indiana Jones. And at first, I thought it was just you know Indy at you know seventeen, eighteen years old. But then. It was revealed to me that they were going to show two different time periods in his life. One where he's a little kid. Corey Carrier plays young Indy at the age of 10. Ever 
like to be an archaeologist. Whose first adventure is exploring the ancient tombs of Egypt with Lawrence of Arabia. And another when he's a little bit older. Sean Patrick Flannery is young Indy at the age of 16. I like the fact that Sean uh, has uh, a slightly innocent, naive quality uh, full of idealism and is willing to take on the world. I love the idea right from the very beginning. You know, it seemed weird to me, though, because I thought, I don't know, how do you do Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford? And I thought, you know, as a little kid, I could see them casting somebody, you know, he doesn't have to actually look like Harrison Ford. But, you know, I was wondering how they were going to pull it off with a young actor playing a young a young Indy without Harrison Ford. And so that was, that, that was the only concern I had is could they pull that off? Now that you don't have your treasure, what, what will you do? Go back to America, go to the University of Chicago. I've always wanted to be an archaeologist, so... More treasure hunting. But, you know, it, it was... Uh, I was impressed from the moment I heard about it, and I got... I have files upon files of, of really amazing stuff that they sent me in order to um, um, start gearing up about what the show was going to be about and where they were going to be shooting and who the historical figures were that they were going to be doing in the show. Um, you know, I did interviews with George Lucas talking about it. And, you know, what really I liked about it was because this was kind of a, a special project for George. You know, education has always been, uh, you know, something he's been very passionate about. And he wanted this show not only to entertain, but to teach kids a bit about history. Those who forget the lessons of history are doomed to repeat it. And that's why there were so many, you know, famous historical figures that popped up in episode after episode so that, you know, George could say to people, well, here's who this is or who's, here's who that is. Um, and, you know, he tried to stay faithful to who those historical figures were. And um, I, so I like I, I liked the concept from the very beginning. And it was kind of a, interesting because... I was introduced right away to Rick McCallum, who was the, you know, who was producing the whole show for George. It makes history fun, and it's an experience that families can enjoy together, and that's very rare. Rick was the man on the man on the set. I mean, he had his hand in everything um, that 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 show had to do, and he. Uh, I talked to him regularly with um, questions about this or questions about that, and. If he didn't know, he'd go find out from George and get back to me. So it was a real thrill that when I was at Lucasfilm and they announced to me that Rick was going to also be the producer on the Star Wars prequels, I thought, well, hallelujah, I already know Rick. We've worked together for almost two years now together. Well, the very first time that George ever discussed his concept of a digital future for, uh, for the cinema and television was in 1989. And... I'm even amazed now how precise that vision actually was about what he wanted to achieve. So this was awesome that there was already a producer that I knew and I could work with. So, yeah, it it was a um, it was it was a fun it was a fun thing to be involved with, and I th those were um, that it was a stressful time, but it was also a really amazing time. And I can't tell you how excited I was to watch the first episode when it aired. Yeah, what I love about your book is is how uh, much into detail about the pre-production stuff you even talk about. I mean, as you say, it was a, a book geared t towards the younger reader, but but you really do get into kind of the nitty-gritty in, a, in a, a wonderful way. And just hearing George talk about, like, how much 
you know, months of research that, that he did and, and the research team at Lucasfilm did and before they even started thinking about stories into the show. And it comes across so well in the show itself. It's like the, the level of historical accuracy is, is, is wonderful. It really is. And that's one of the things that, you know, I was really most impressed was, um, was how down to, you know, the, 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 the how they spoke the language, um, down to, you know, the automobiles, the cars, the costumes. Um, and then, you know, um, they gave me a list of all the historical figures that would be covered in each episode. Um, and so I kind of had to do my own homework. I had to go uh, pull books. Um, and, 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 you know, this was at a time when the Internet wasn't as as relevant as it is today. So I'd go to the library. I, I checked out books on all the historical figures they gave me, you know, uh, different um, characters who he was going to be meeting somewhere along the way. And, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I loved it. It's funny because in the beginning, one of the criticisms of the show that I would get from time to time from fans was, well, it was kind of boring. It was slow. It wasn't, they were expecting, you know, an Indiana Jones movie, which was, you know, nonstop thrills and chills and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I said, well, now this is a different kind of Indiana Jones. There is that from time to time, but this is, this is a more thoughtful, more, um, um, intimate kind of view of Indies growing up and raising. And, and actually I, I remember one of the things that, cause I spoke to him over the phone. I did an interview with him was the actor. And you'll have to forgive me that I don't remember his name right off. Uh, the actor who played um, Indy's dad in the show. And he did such an amazing, his accent sounded just like Sean Connery. I mean, he was he was really very believable as a younger version of Sean Connery. I love him too. That's uh, Lloyd Owen. Is the That's it, name. Lloyd Owen. Yep, yep, yep. He's on Lord of the Rings now for people who That's are right. That's following right. his career. You shirked every duty. Dodged every problem. Fine, well, at least I admitted it. Why can't you? Took the easy way out. Ran away every time. Go on, go on. Just for once in your life, admit that you were wrong. Go to your room. No, no, Father. I'm not 10 years old anymore. You do as I say, son. This instant. Go to your room. And you, not only did you interview... Well, don't know, but you also interviewed uh, the the three characters who played Indiana Jones in the series. You, you interviewed, you know, yep. Corey Carrier, uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, of course, but then also uh, George Hall, who played the 90, 92 year old, I believe, ninety two year old uh, Indiana Jones. Right. Um, yep. You know, which is a bit of a historical relic now because they they've since cut those uh, old indie bookends from the series itself. But I was sorry to see them do that too, yeah. Peter. To be honest, because. I really liked, um, um, George was a wonderful man, and he really, I loved talking with him, and I liked the opening and, and endings with him as the old Indy, and uh, you know, I always wondered what happened to his eye, that he had the eye patch, you know, but he's older than the old Indy that we see now in, in the Dial of Destiny. Yeah. Why aren't you kids in class? This place is boring, man. Well, some of the greatest adventures of my life are sitting in this museum. Maybe it's cool for you, dude, but we think it stinks. Yeah, I, I, when they did that, I was really sorry to see them do that because I think it loses a little bit of something. And I'm, 
I wish they wouldn't have done that. Well, I mean, on the benefit, we we just discovered yesterday that someone has been uh, re-editing the original uh, versions together on on YouTube. So they oh, good the, for them. Yeah, the original cuts are are getting are finding uh, new life, I guess. And uh, it is interesting to see it because I only ever grew up with it as the the made for TV movie edit versions. So that's it's, right. Uh, it's fascinating to see it. Um, it, with the original old indie bookends in there. Oh yeah, I love I love the old indie bookends. So if I had my druthers, I'd I'd have that added back in. How did you find talking to like three generations of of Indiana Jones on the on the on the TV series? Like all of them are trying to to connect to Harrison Ford, but also they're actors. They need to do their own thing. Like what what? How did you find that? I, I I'll tell you what. Corey was he was cute. He was you know. He was he thought it was so cool that he was playing a young Indiana Jones. And um, he uh, he was he, he was a, I really liked him. He was a neat, interesting little kid. Um, and I know he was thrilled to be playing a young version of Indiana Jones. The world's gone crazy, Norman. First, we see more locking in my room. But then I escaped and nearly fell from the rooftops. Sean was also a fantastic guy. And he um he, for me, I thought he was the most uh, realistic of all of them. You know, he really cared about the show and he wanted to do a good job and he wanted fans to believe that, yes, he was a young Henry Jones Jr. And um, so, you know, he and he he had some of the most difficult things to do in the show. Hey, what? We have your colonel up here. Stop shooting. Oh, yeah, Einstein. Please. You don't have to get insulted. It's not our fault they didn't tell us the plan. Of course I'm insulted! How dare you be so unprepared? It's an utter disgrace! It's like kidnapping my father! And then, of course, uh, George, he was... He, it's funny, because he was just kind of like a, just another job, but he, you know, he was proud to be able to play India at an older age, but um, he, um, it, it wasn't as awe-inspiring for him as it was for uh, Corey and Sean. Um, but, you know, I liked I, what I loved about it is that they showed Indy at all these different ages. Um, and then, of course, you know, we had the one episode, uh, I think it was called, was it Mystery of the Blues, um, where Harrison Ford actually played Indy with the mustache and beard, um, which, you know, I never, uh, be honest, as as I had been working on this whole thing, I never thought they would actually get him to do a guest appearance on the show. I, I, that just never seemed that that would be possible. So when that happened, I was really, I was really amazed. And you know, they shot that up um, around his ranch in Wyoming, um, so uh, it was easy for him to do it. Um, and uh, it was kind of a favor to George, you might say. Well, things can't always be the way you want them to be, but sometimes they are. In your book, you you discuss at length Sean Patrick Flannery's efforts to emulate Harrison Ford. And to me, that casting is like Ewan McGregor quality in the in the prequels. Casting a prequel actor to play an older actor that we know, having it feel right. Yeah, I was curious, point. you had a chance to ever speak to him after you interviewed him for the book, and if you got any additional insights or if he had anything different to say after he had played the character for a few years. You know, um, unfortunately, I never did get to speak to him after the book. Um, my path never crossed with his, and we never... Um, uh, did anything later down the line in the fan club magazine with him. So um, I regret that because I would love to catch up with him today and just sit down and chat about, you know, his memories and thoughts about being young Indy and uh, 
and such. But um, no, I never did. But you know, he it was a it was an important job to him. And you know, I remember thinking the weight of this of this show is really resting on his shoulders because <clears throat> Corey was just a little boy, and you know, he could get away with playing indie in any way he really kind of wanted to. But Sean, he had to show some of the some of the characteristics of of the older Indiana Jones, and uh, he had to make us believe that okay, we could see. 20 years from that time that he was playing Indy, that we could imagine Harrison Ford being Indy. And he had a lot of pressure on him. Get back to Cairo. Get us some transport to England. Quote, playing anything. Meet me at Omar's. Be ready for me. I'm going after that truck. Oh, I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. Oh, make it up as you go. Oh, boy, that's great advice. What if you get kidnapped by bandits? How can I rescue you if I don't know what you look like? I'll think of something. I came here to find the agents that were sent here. And you're going to tell me where they are. I'm going to blow your head off. Understand? I, does it come into port anywhere between here and Java? Port Said, Suez, Bombay. When's the next boat? Seven days. We can't wait that long. Where's the train station? When we get to Singapore, I'll find a ship that I can work on headed for London. And then to America. This is crazy. Why quit the partnership now? It was never about a partnership, Remy. It was about us being friends. I remember somebody telling me after the fact, after the series has ended, that he, he wasn't real keen about talking about Indiana Jones Chronicles. That it, it, it kind of wasn't, I think he was kind of soured by the fact that the show didn't take off and last. Um, but then he, he then, it, it, you know, like anything... You know, you start to look back at your life and the nostalgia and what happened and, and you know, things kind of changed. And then he became much more um, interested in talking about it. But there for a while, I remember them, people at Lucasfilm telling me you know, that Sean really wasn't that interested in talking about Indiana Jones. It is it is fascinating. I wonder if you could talk because you wrote the book um, in 91. So the show was yep. still like working on its first season, which, you know, even at the time was only meant to be six episodes. It was a very short first season. Um, what was kind of the the attitude? I mean, obviously, everyone's excited about the new show and every, you know, it's it's classic stuff. But like, what was kind of the attitude that you could glean about the the, the hopes, the aspirations for the show was the feeling that like this is going to be indie now for the next few years or, or like how did how was how was that kind of atmosphere like at Lucasfilm the atmosphere at Lucasfilm was everybody was excited but they were all trying to prepare me for the fact that this was not like the movies yeah they they wanted to be very specific to me um, that that this was a different kind of Indiana Jones this wasn't in one thrill ride after another like we've seen in the movies and so you know, that was the one thing that everybody tried to emphasize to me that, you know, don't watch this thinking you're going to sit down and watch an, a, a, another movie of indie every week because that's, that's not what it was. You are in Benares, where all the world's religions come together. You know, Indy, the ancient Greeks and Romans and Egyptians believed that there was a god for peace and one for war, a god for birth and one for death, a god for everything. Then, the Jewish people decided there was only one god, and the Christians declared that Jesus Christ was the son of this god. 
and so I was prepared for it when I saw my very first footage. I mean, I saw early footage when I was out at the ranch before it ever aired, and then um, the first time I actually saw a finished episode, I was watching it on my own TV. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, that was the kind of thing that everybody at Lucasfilm kind of just kind of gave me a heads up to say, you know, this is Indiana Jones, but this is not the movie Indiana Jones. Um, and so I was prepared to, to watch something that was very different. And I know for some people, that was the thing in the beginning there. That was the thing that kind of, you know, because we there had only been, you know, three movies. And the people, people were kind of like, well, this doesn't seem like Indiana Jones. This is, you know, it's a different Indiana Jones. And I remember there was some criticism in the beginning of that. Winston Churchill will be there. Isn't he in France? He's on leave, I imagine. Brilliant mind. Remarkable military strategist. His judgment is not always sound, of course. Certainly not about women's suffrage. A great many people were wrong about women's suffrage, including the suffragettes. Oh. Well, but who's Winston Churchill? Didn't you agree with women's suffrage, Miss Seymour? I certainly don't believe that throwing stones and burning down politicians' houses is the right way to prove your fitness to take part in the government of the country. Until women did those things and went to prison and nearly died for their beliefs, no one took any notice. But was it the right kind of notice? My dear young lady... Please don't call me that. I'm not a dear young lady, yours or anybody else's. I am a woman, and as an intelligent woman, I have a right to vote. You're covering Lucasfilm at this time. When would you say it really started to turn? When, when did your contacts really give you the sense that we kind of know the show... It's not working. This is not the future, and we're moving on to other things. Well, I would say, you know, um, six months into it, I think they were aware that this was not getting the kind of review, uh, the reviews and ratings that they had hoped it would get. Um, and um, so, I, you know, it wasn't that long after the show came on, and, and there was, you know, s several episodes uh, that had aired that I started kind of getting the idea that, you know, it was iffy whether this thing would go on for very long or not. And I was just happy that that there was, that they did as many episodes as they did, because to me, it was an interesting look back into the life of, of, of Indiana Jones. And I know that George Lucas, it was a passion project for him, um, and he wanted to, and I, I believe that um, Carrie Fisher helped him write some of it, too. Why don't we just sell ourselves our illusions? Life is a little bit easier if we don't always look at the hard truth. Yeah, one credited and then she did a big rewrite on um, uh, Daredevils of the Desert, I think it was. One that's the, right, yeah. that's right. Yep, that's what it was. And, you know, that was kind of cool. You know, he, he George trusted Carrie Fisher. And um, so, you know, and... It, it 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 had almost a. I remember some people would tell me as they watched it, it almost had a like a, a, a PBS masterpiece theater kind of feel to it at times. I fear that you are using the privilege of charming women everywhere and changing the subject. It didn't seem like a, 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 um, a network kind of show. It was more like a PBS show, you know, a, a masterpiece theater type of. A project and um it's so funny it's so funny that you mentioned pbs because like arguably it would have been 
so much better on BB. <laughs> like it, it, it would have, you know, it's uh, <laughs> who knows? I doubt the ratings would have been much better, but it's like it would have fit in very well with like kind of that. Uh, PBS it would have fit in very well. Maybe people might have uh, expected it not to be a uh, action thrilled um, Indiana Jones movie if it was on PBS. That might have given them a little idea that hey, this is going to be a li- bit more cerebral, a little bit more historical, a little bit slower moving. You know, kind of a, uh, a history, a background of this character and the famous people he met along the way. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I was, um, I was, um, I was, uh, you know, I was, I, I, I was never, ever personally, I was never disappointed in the show. I, I disappointed that not everybody loved it as much as I did, but I was, um, I always loved every episode. I thought there was something, you know, like the Matahari episode. I always, I love that, that show. That, my dear Henri, is the infamous Matahari. She is a scandalous so-called performer. She's an artistic dancer, my love. Dancer, my eye. Um, I don't have, my memory's not so good, so I don't remember the names of each of the episodes, but I remember them by who was on the show, you know, and such. But, um... Yeah, that and the, and the Teddy Roosevelt episode, I was really, I loved it on the safari in Africa. I said no more! You've just enough! No more! That's enough! No more! Quite right, too. Absolutely right, Henry. And I like the, uh, I, I was a little more partial to the Sean Patrick Flannery episodes than I was the Cory Carrier ones, but... What I loved about Corey's episodes that we got to see Indy's mom and dad, and that that made those special for me, especially the ones when they went to Egypt and such. That those were I thought really well done episodes, and I was I loved being able to see Indy's dad as a young man. I thought that was interesting for them to flesh him out a little bit more on what who he was in the past. Junior, the nation-state grew out of the city-state, which realized itself through conquest and expanded through colonization. Think of Athens, think of Sparta. The logical result was empire. Think of Alexander, think of Rome. Now what just happened in Europe was that the German empire attempted to expand. It wanted territory, colonies, and the only way to get them was through conquest. As a result, the Russian empire, the British empire, and the French Republic, which is an empire in all but name, combined to crush it. Russia fell, but Britain and France, with timely American assistance, smashed Germany and restored the balance of imperial power. I'm watching the uh, the one with Pacini right now. The one with what? Pacini, where his Indy's mom sort of falls in love with the the opera singer. Oh yes, yes, and yes. It, it's a great episode for her, and that actress is so wonderful. I, I wish we had been able to see her in more things. And you know, I don't even know what she's done since then, or if she's out there doing things that are running on my TV or in the film movies or something. I'm, I've lost contact with with her as what she's doing. Yeah, um, it, it seems like her last credit was, I believe, in 02 on something. And I think she's kind of uh, fallen off the map or maybe doing doing theater work or something like that. Yes, but, uh, yes at exactly. Least nothing, that, nothing that gets credited. Um, hopefully we'll be able to track yeah. her down, though. It would be, it would be a really fascinating yeah, and if interview. If you do, let me know, because I would love to watch... Uh, an episode of your podcast where you interview people like her. Yeah, it would be great. And get her feelings about it all these years later. What the, what does she think about this and the fact that it's on Disney Plus now, so there's a whole new audience and a whole new generation that will be introduced to the young Indiana Jones Chronicles that 
you know, weren't even born when the show came on. And what's special about her is she's playing a character that we've all imagined, but no one else has ever played. Yeah. That's right. Have I been so, so transparent? He has been transparent. He wants me to go away with him. What? Run away. He wants me to live with him. He wants me to take a train with him tonight. What was your answer? I couldn't. I couldn't answer. That's right. That's the cool thing about it is that was the first time we got an idea of, of really who Indy's mom was. Um, you know, you're right. I mean, we obviously had Sean Connery as his dad, but we had no idea what Indy's mom was like. And I thought they did a good job of uh, fleshing her out on the show. I agree. I only wish we could have seen more episodes because I imagine there was like some future episodes where you would have seen her and uh and and the father henry jones like kind of dig into his like obsession with the grail more because that's something we don't see in the series like in last that's crusade right. uh uh you know uh indy is like this is an obsession dad i never understood it never neither did mom and then sean connery's like oh yes she did only too well what does that mean? Like, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's see, see that. You're, you're right, Peter, on that specifically. You know, that would have been fascinating to go back and see where that all began yeah. and how the kind of dialogue he had with, with uh, Indy's mom about his obsession with that and such. You know, I know I never got to read, but there were several scripts that had been written mm. when the show <clears throat> stopped. Yeah. And, uh, and I would love to... Now I would love to be able to read those scripts and see what might have what might have happened. I think there were three or four. They said finished scripts they had um, at the time the show ended. So obviously there were more adventures that they never got a chance to make. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I mean, in the classic George Lucas tradition, they like wrote so much before they even started filming. And uh, my understanding is they had at least like uh, two more seasons worth of at least ideas or like strong treatments done. And they had uh, treatments done for a cup, I think, for a season or two. Yeah. I mean, he had a yeah, obviously he had to know where the show was headed, where it was going to go, how it was going to eventually, you know, meet up with the indie that we see in the movies. Um, so, yeah, he did have those. He had, he had those for quite some time ready, you know. But as far as completed scripts, I think there were three or four that I was told that were sitting there ready to go and nothing ever came of them. Yeah. We're going to hunt them down. That'll be yeah, our... there you go. The lost scripts <laughs> the lost of Young scripts. Indiana Jones. Um, you know, it, it's interesting too because Indiana jo Young Indiana Jones doesn't just end when ABC decides it ends. It carries on in in numerous different iterations. Uh, with your uh, efforts on on the fan club, you mentioned this earlier. I like Sean Patrick Flannery wasn't too keen to do interviews after the show, but like. What was your the fan club's kind of interaction with the show as time went on? Whether it's the four uh, made-for-TV movies that were produced over the next two years that aired on the Family Channel, or even just like the re-edits that were done, you know, in the in the late '90s, that where they filmed new footage, new interstitials to to add into the show. I think you shouldn't go. Since when do I have a choice? Last night I had a dream. Yeah, well, at least you got some sleep. The dream was about you. I saw you in a place surrounded by water. Then the water turned to blood. It became a whirlpool. 
it was sucked into it. Like, what what are your memories of those those times? We we tried to make more. I, I wanted to do some more coverage on Young Indy even after the fact, but um, you know, we were moving into um, a time period where uh, there was buzz and talk about new Star Wars movies, and people wanted to see more Star Wars, and so we tried to to gear the focus of the fan club more towards that. Sure. And because every every issue that I did something that wasn't Star Wars as the main coverage or the cover of it, there would always be a slew of people sending us letters saying, well, that was good, but when are you going to get back to Star Wars? You know, <laughs> there's still lots of people that have never been interviewed that we want to see interviewed and, well, you know, do more coverage of Star Wars. So we kind of got pressured a little bit by trying to do more Star Wars coverage as we moved along. Um I wanted to do more young indie stuff, but it, uh, and I don't know, I think we had, I'm trying to think, I think we had three, three covers that were young indie, and um, I think three, I can't remember, but I think we had three covers of the Lucasfilm Fan Club magazine that had young indie on the cover. I know there was one where we had both Sean and, and Corey on the cover, and then there was one where Sean was riding a horse, and maybe there was two, I don't know, I can't remember now. That was like another time. That was in like another time. I, <laughs> it was so long ago, you know. And as I recall, it was like '96 or so. You you did you changed back over to the Star Wars fan club? Am I misremembering that? I think yeah. Yep, so. that's about the, that was about the right time because that's when the prequels were getting made. They were being announced. We knew that was coming down the pike. Yeah. And Lucasfilm really. And I, I'd be honest, you know. I mean, I knew once we change the name back to the Star Wars official fan club that that we'd probably get a lot more members in the club. So it helped the fan club grow more when they knew that there was new Star Wars coming and this was the place to find out all about them. What are the uh, questions that you have about the young indie? Like things maybe you didn't know or weren't able to learn at the time. If you were listening to this podcast, mm -hmm. what are the things you would love to get answers to that maybe you haven't heard? Kind of what I mentioned about the, 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 the lost scripts, you know, I would like to know from George, quite frankly, where he had planned to go, where he wanted to go down the line. Akator? He said that. Yeah. You're sure? That's what he said. He said Akator. Conquistadors called it El Dorado. Francisco de Oriana disappeared into the Amazon looking for it in 1546. I almost died of typhus looking for it myself. How many more episodes would he focus on Corey and, and how many would he focus on Sean um, and so I would really I think more than anything for me is well what were his plans where was he going to go who else was he going to meet from history um, that we never got a chance to see um, and I think that for me would have been most fascinating um, you know back the, back in those days I would sit down and, and just spend days thinking of what questions to ask each of these people, including George. So, you know, I got a lot of things answered back then. But um, for me, I think more than anything, I'd like to know where where would have it gone? Who would have he had met? You know, what other famous people would he have, his path crossed, you know, uh, somewhere along the way? And that that I would have been really fascinated to know who who George had planned to, to introduce us to that we never got the chance to see. No defined last words, Dr. Jones. I like Ike. 
I think one of the, the best parts about fan clubs back then is how much like exclusive, uh, not only content, but exclusive merchandise would be on the fan clubs as well. I know you've sp spoken about like some of the, the, the prequel era uh, exclusive stuff. Was there any, because um, I know Young Indie had quite a impressive mar uh, marketing push um, at the time. time. Was there any sort of exclusive fan club uh, stuff that you were able to put out or was it... Um, yeah, we did. We did posters. We did patches. Nice. Um, we had several items that were exclusive young indie things. Um, you know, I've got a file cabinet that I had in my office back in those days. I've got a massive file. In fact, I was just looking at it, I don't know, two months ago, just for the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Um, lots of email, lots of letters that Lucasfilm sent me showing, they're talking about the show and uh, a whole thing of photographs that I I had been sent from the show, um, a, a brochure that kind of showed all the different places around the world. It was kind of like the indie map we see in the movies, yeah. and it showed everywhere that the Young Indie series was taking place. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's like a it's like a um, um, a treasure trove of stuff that I got to go back into because, you know, I've been sharing a lot of um, some of the stuff from my past on my social channels. And, um, you guys just gave me a, an idea. I need to pull that file and look through there. Cause there is some stuff in there and there's pictures nobody's ever seen, um, that I would love to kind of share with people now that there's, you know, now that we have the internet yeah. really full force. Cause back then there wasn't such a thing. And, uh, but yeah, I've, there's a lot of stuff that I would like to um, pull and, and share with people again. I'll tell you, I, I think for me, I think for us, I feel like we're the, like archaeologists. We're trying to uncover yes. information about young Indiana Jones. And it's not something like Star Wars, where there's Wikipedia pages up, up the wazoo. It's very little, certainly reliable information available. So when I hear something about a file cabinet... Filled with young Indiana Jones information. This is this is like the X Files. The answers are in there. It, 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 it is. Well, I'll have to share some with you because be awesome. I've, be awesome. Not only do I have files of stuff on Young Indy, but I have files and stuff on the Last Crusade as well because that was the big project that we were working on right after Willow. Um, we we went you know head first into the Last Crusade, and so uh, I have got so much material. Um, you know, I remember when we went to the set of The Last Crusade, everybody had that patch with the logo on it. And so I asked them, I said, can you tell me who produced those for you? And they, Lucasfilm sent me the name and number for that person. And we had a bunch of them produced and were able to offer them to fans through oh, the Fan Club magazine. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, with Young Indy, there was some really cool stuff that... Uh, that I, I couldn't use because there was just not enough room for me to use it all in. And, uh, you know, I was always feeling pressured, not by Lucasfilm, but by the fans, to, to, to more Star Wars, more Star Wars, more Star Wars. So, uh, and now I kind of wish I'd done more on Young Indy because I, I think it's, it's, it's refreshing to me to now watch these episodes. You know, I hadn't seen them in years, in years until Disney Plus had them. And I haven't yet to sit down and watch every one of them again, but I have caught several of them now, and uh, it brings back so many memories of working on <clears throat> that book and the and through the fan club and interviewing people and getting to go out to Skywalker Ranch to talk to George about Young Indy and uh, you know of all the projects that George has worked on when I was involved with the fan club, 
<clears throat> I would say that the one I saw the most sparkle in his eye and the most interest was Young Indy. Mm. You know, my main interest in school and ever since has been cultural anthropology and uh, sociology and related social fields. And, and so my take on art is, is more culturally oriented. And I look at art as sort of a way of judging a culture and understanding not really what it looked like or anything, but what the people were thinking and what the people were feeling and what was going on at a particular time. This was an important project for him um, because it brought together, you know, history, education, the entertainment. You know, this was this was something that he, you know, he watched over every aspect of it. So uh, it was really um, an important project for him. And... Uh, you know, it it, it 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 wasn't it wasn't anybody else's idea. It was George's idea, and he really wanted it to work. I have beautiful pristine yellow tablets, ready to go. Those fresh blocks of pencils. I'm all set. All I need is an idea. I mean, I think it's 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 you know super telling too that like he self-finance so many additional episodes even after abc was like the ratings are too low we're just going to bury the show he just kept yep. kept pushing for it to be produced um for not just for the four you know made for tv movies but carried on with it too and it, it seemed like you know had he not even sold the company we, we might even be seeing a, a young indie something works even yeah now. i i think so well and i'll be honest with you i'm still not i wouldn't surprise me one bit if we saw whether it's live action or animated, if Disney went back and did a young Indiana Jones series for Disney Plus, um, because you really can't, you know, Harrison Ford has already said, obviously, this was his last. And you, I, to be honest, I don't want to see any more of, of Harrison Ford's Indy. I think they ended it properly and let it be that, and just let that be. But there's still a lot of his early adventures when he was young, whether that's, Corey Carrier's age, or whether that's Sean Patrick Flannery's age, that I could definitely see them doing a live action or a, or or even an animated show um, for Young Indy. So I I think there's a greater chance now, to be honest, of seeing something like that developed in the next year or two on Disney Plus. Um, and sadly, you know, I don't think I don't know, but George wouldn't have his hand in it quite like it would have been had he still owned the company yeah but um this is definitely you know, something that that gets lost in a lot of shuffles but your book does a great job of highlighting it's just how involved he was in this show like i think for some fans out there they just think george didn't really do anything between 83 and, and 96 when yeah. he starts on episode one and i'm just like no he, he was incredibly involved not only with young indy but also you know with willow with with the indiana yeah. jones films itself radio land murders it's like He's a very active producer. He's not one of these studio executives who just like says yes to a paycheck and then goes away to sip wine on his yacht or whatever. It's like he's well, you know, and it's interesting. This time period, specifically this time period that I started doing the fan club, that time period between, you know, when uh, after Jedi, um, when uh, George was able to start looking at other projects he wanted to do that weren't Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, Tucker was the man in his car. That was one of those projects he wanted to do. Um, and, you know, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles and Radio Land Murders. 
Um, and, you know, I mean, they may not have been as exciting as Star Wars, but this was a time period when George was able to kind of actually pursue some projects he really wanted to do because, you know, for all we knew, you know, he was done with Star Wars. I mean, there was no guarantee after Jedi that there was anything there was anything new for Star Wars. There, was, there wasn't any guarantee. And, in fact, for the longest period of time, I was kind of convinced that because I would interview George many, several times I interviewed him, and every time I would go out um, to Skywalker Ranch and meet him in his office, you know, my – I never let an interview go by that I didn't say, well, anything you can tell us about new Star Wars movies. Our meeting was not a coincidence. Nothing happens by accident. And he said, well, I, I intend on getting back to him at some point. But, you know, it was, when was that? I don't know. You know, is that, or is that two years from now, five years, ten years, you know? And he couldn't tell, you know, tell us. So at, the, at some point I kind of got to thinking that, you know, there wasn't anything new for Star Wars. So, you know, it was these kinds of projects that he was going to focus on. Um, and I was, I was happily, I was happy to, to have a, a TV series around young Indy as opposed to not ha to having nothing for, about Indiana Jones. Cause in all honesty, really, I mean, I'm, I'm a Star Wars fan. I love Star Wars, but I got to admit, I mean, I've always been a history buff. Um, and Indiana Jones has always held a special place for me. And I, I would say, and uh, some might find it blasphemous for me to say this, but I, I think I'm more of a fan of Indiana Jones than Star Wars. So I'm, I, uh, you know, Dial of Destiny, I absolutely loved it. And I'm got to go back and see it again. And, um, you know, Young Indy was, uh, right, right up my alley. So, um, I'm glad that, you know, we got more Indy. I'm glad the last, I guess what I'm saying is I'm glad the last crusade wasn't the last indie. Let me ask you this, since now the audience has this chance to go watch it on Disney Plus for the first time. You've already mentioned the Matahari episode. You've mentioned the Teddy Roosevelt episode. What are the other episodes you would tell someone to go watch these? These are the must-watch ones. You should watch now that you can. Um... Well, I love the, uh, the, I think it was called The Mystery of the Blues, the Harrison Ford one, just because we get to see Harrison playing Indy again. Um, it, it was a little bit of a different kind of Indy that Harrison played, you know. I mean, I never imagined him playing a musical instrument like he was in that episode, you know. And, um, and so it, it was a little bit different to see him doing that. Uh, I think my favorite episode... Um, I guess my probably my favorite would have been the I really liked the Matahari episode. I, I found that one um, really intriguing, and um, the Teddy Roosevelt episode. Oh, what's the one? I'm trying to think of his name now. The uh, I should have had my book in front of me. The uh, the, the 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 man who uh, got lost in the jungles of uh, oh Schweitzer, uh, Albert Schweitzer. Yeah, that's it. Yep, yep, Albert Schweitzer. What does he mean, pay? Here, when two tribes go to war, it is a rule that each side pays the other compensation for the man that I killed. They place a currency value on human life? That's barbaric. If you wish to compare barbarities, French sent wave after wave of men up the slopes. The slaughter went on for hours. By the time the French generals called off the offensive, they had lost 30,000 men. So these people can't comprehend 10 men killed. So how do I explain 30,000 French boys lying in heaps on the slopes of the Lingenkopf? Balingi Mongomigli. What did he say? He says the Europeans must be very rich to kill 10 men in a battle. That was a good episode. 
I mean, I don't know. What are your guys' favorite episodes? The Schweitzer episode is my favorite, and I also love yeah. the Daredevils of the Desert, which I learned today was was uh, ghostwritten by Carrie Fisher. So I'm yeah. learning things. Yes, too. absolutely right. Yeah, I for me, it's Daredevils of the Desert. You'll need to put somebody into Beersheba to keep a watch over those wells. Well, I have contacts there, but I'd need to send in somebody special, a trained agent, somebody who speaks both Arabic and Turkish, absolutely trustworthy. I know the man you want. He works for French intelligence in Cairo. He's one of the best and an old friend. Get him. I believe I was the first one I ever watched, actually. I think I had watched one on VHS that was available through my local library back in the day, and that was the first one. And it's it's just such a glorious episode. I only learned recently, though, it was originally an hour episode that uh, right. was Palestine 1917, and then it got expanded uh, later into, yep. a, into a full uh, feature because it, it plays very well just as a two-hour one. You was it Carrie Fisher it. who did the expansion? Because that would make set total it sense. Could be. I'm not. Yes, it would. Not super familiar with the backstory there, but I, I believe it could be that. Yeah. But you must pay for the water. Yes, Lord. Anything. We take one camel. One camel, Lord. I'm honored. And the woman. And the woman. Now go. Lord, Lord, Lord. No, I, I. She is lazy. She's the worst of her kind. She's good for nothing. Lord, she brings my life nothing but misery. <laughs> then you'll be happy to be rid of her. <laughs> How far behind you are they? I gave them a sleeping potion. It will be at least another hour before they wake up. Our head start isn't much. They won't come after us. Why not? Because. Why not? Because I have their clothes. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely true, Daniel. And the the I also like the uh, Pancho Villa episode yeah. too. That was very um, good. I thought that was an, a, a good one. And uh, there really wasn't any one of them that I didn't like. Um, there's just some I liked more than others. But, uh, you know, and I would say those were the, the top two or three that I enjoyed watching. And i got to be honest, I've got to – I really, truly want to sit down and rewatch all of these now that they're available on Disney Plus because it's literally been years since I got to see – some of these and uh for me some of them would be almost like it'd almost be like brand new because there would be aspects of it that i'm sure i would have forgotten and it would be like brand new to me again it is it is so wonderful to rewatch them i mean i've been doing this lately as my, myself for this podcast and it's like there's just such a even though the show can tackle some very heavy topics and and deal with you know the trauma of war or you know the heartbreak of of uh uh, of a breakup or, you know, thing, yeah. things of all sorts of, of various genres and various uh, types. But like, there's such a lack of cynicism to it, you know, it, which I, know. Yeah, I feel you can only really get from a George Lucas produced project or Steven Spielberg, you know, project, but it's like, absolutely they're the, they're the two where you would get that, you know, that, uh, that optimistic feel about things. And, you know, um, it's funny because I don't know that I've ever said this, but after I finished that young indie book, um, Lucasfilm came back to me and said, hey, we want to do a, a biography on Sean Patrick Flannery. Oh. And they offered it to me to do. And at the time, I mean, the fan club was just all-consuming. We were moving into a time frame with Star Wars prequels. I had a new a newborn son. <laughs> I just, I, I, just I, I had to say I would love to do it, but I can't. It mm. just, I got too much on my plate right now and... Uh, I can't, I can't do that. Um, so I had to turn that project down. Sadly, I wish I had been able to do it because then I would add another, another book with them. But uh, the fan club was calling, and I had to put that as my first 
my first thing. And, you know, I was, I don't know if you noticed, but I was, <clears throat> I was the one that finagled getting the fan club ad in the back of that young indie book. <laughs> I said, I said, we got to have an ad for the fan club in the back of that, telling people where they can get more information on Indiana Jones. And so I, uh, they were like, at first they were like, I don't know. I don't know if we can fit. I don't know if we have an extra page. I says, no, you gotta, you gotta get a page. I said, you don't need to put a biography of me or who I am or what I am. I said, take that out and put the ad for the fan club in the back of the book. And so they did. That's what we call synergy marketing these days. There you go. Absolutely <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Oh my God. Well, Dan, I know you got to get going here in a minute, but I'd love to for you to talk a little bit about your, your upcoming book and, and the impetus of that. I'm, I'm uh, really excited about that. Like I said, I, I, um, I was a little too anxious to show the cover because I, I loved it. And, uh, uh, it's not coming out until, uh, first quarter of next year, but, um, it's, it's been, it's been a joy to, to, to write. I still am writing. I'm in the process of writing it right now. Um, I've got three quarters of it done. Um, but, um, what's, um, it's been painful because, <coughs> excuse me, it's been, you know, I've had to try to pull all these memories out of my uh, head because it's not just about star wars and star trek there were other projects i worked on like lord of the rings or uh, back to the future um and so um that's why i've been going through all my files because i'm going through them and and, and meticulously pulling out things like oh yeah that's right i forgot about that you know and it's and i've jotted down a note you know about something that should be mentioned um and that's where i discovered this file this huge file on the young indiana jones chronicles and um, it's such an amazing thing because there's so many cool, cool things in there that um, I'll have to share them with you guys sometime. Uh, Maybe yeah, we can do great. another podcast down the line. I'll pull some of the coolest things that I've found in that file because nobody has seen these things. And uh, uh, and I, I can pull them up and show them to you guys and you can say, and see all these cool things that, that uh, have been lost to the ages, actually. But, um, yeah, the book is a, is a special project for me. It's the hardest thing I've ever done because it's literally me having to pull these memories out of my head. And, and for the listeners out there, writing. like this book is, is an autobiography, a fair way to describe yes. it? Or is it? Okay, yeah. So it's all about your yeah, life. It's a, mem- it's a memoir, memoir all yeah. about my how I started and how I ended and where I'm going now. And, you know, yeah, I mean, not just the Lucasfilm fan club, but as you mentioned, yeah. you also ran like the Lord of the Rings fan club for a little while. And then like, I mean, yep. y- you know, you have a great story about auditioning for Willow, which I just love. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, you've, 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 you've been around so many, not just George Lucas, but also like Gene Roddenberry and, and That's so right. many of these, these people throughout the years. And you, you were working with Ashley Eckstein on, on her universe for a few years. And yeah. It's like, for 10, actually for 10 years, I helped Ashley launch her universe and, and I worked on it with her until um, we sold it to Hot Topic and uh, and um, was instrumental in helping her put on the fashion shows that are held every year at San Diego Comic-Con. And that's what, coming up in the next week or two weeks, yeah. there's a San Diego and there's a new uh, Her Universe fashion show. So Ashley's one of my dear friends and she's one of my favorite people that I've ever worked with. Yeah. So this book would have just be chock full of amazing stories and absolutely lots of cameos uh, yeah lots of cameos of people very famous people that come in and out of this story amazing and anthony daniels has a big part in it too i might add do you have a, do you have a title for the book yet dan yeah it's called um um uh, size matters not perfect yeah <laughs> amazing 
Um, and yeah. so if listeners want to get in touch with you, like what's, uh, what's some of the social media handles for you or websites? Or? Well, I'm under, uh, the Dan Matson on Twitter, uh, Matson eight, nine, seven, three on Instagram. Uh, they can find me just as Dan Matson official, um, on Facebook. Um, those are the three platforms that I'm currently on. And, uh, that's how they can, that's how they can find out about what's, they want to follow me anywhere on those, uh, I keep updating people not only with what's coming, but I have lots of memories that I share on those face on those uh, social channels about things that I worked on and pictures that I have never shown people before and such. So that's the best way to find out what I did and what I'm doing. Awesome. Well, fantastic. Well, we'll, we'll uh, wrap it up right there. We hope we can have you back on the show sometime. This has been. Too I would much like fun. to, and I'll bring some stuff to show you from Young Indie because, and really, I, I have to say this was fun because. I don't get to talk about Young India ever. Exactly. Um, it's always Star Wars. So, you know, I mean, I was delighted for you guys to come to me and say, hey, let's talk Young India because, you know, it's, uh, it's it's especially relevant now that it's it's on Disney+. Plus. And I'm not kidding. I mean, they literally now have a whole new audience that gets to see these. And I really hope that it, it takes off for them. Thanks Thank so much, Dan. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Daniel and Peter. I really appreciate it. That concludes our interview with Dan Madsen. If you want to find us on the socials, you can search for Young Indie Pod on Instagram, where we'll post behind-the-scenes images from the series and info about upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, for Daniel Noah and myself, Peter Holmstrom, keep on adventuring. Next time on the Young Indie Chroniclers. We're thrilled to have Mr. Laird Malamed, who is an assistant sound engineer. Ben Burt and George Lucas hired me. Somebody at ABC got nervous. We had to do this emergency screening. This is October of, of 91. I got to do the temp music. Play it for George. I really think, George, the scene is about this. I want Bob Iger crying. And this is why I went that way. And he's like, that's just an opinion. He is accurate. The greatest <laughs> dismissal. It wasn't even off-putting. We're just having a conversation. There's two creative people. Yeah. There are two creative people here. George is 1.98 of the two, and I'm 0.02.